I love the theatrics of this ritual drama. We kind of feel so special on Kol Nidre, and then tonight, don't miss Nila, because it has the same, it has the continuation of this drama, this, this special way of being, of collecting all together. And doing Kol Nidre together, of saying that all of my New Year's resolutions, they're already forgiven if I don't do them. It's not the ritual drama of, I can do whatever I want because God will forgive me, like I can go out and do bad things. It's more that God is saying, what are you going to do to be your best self? How are you going to use this power to change and walk with me in a different way and walk with others in a different way? And I give you the freedom to try it and experiment with it. And if it doesn't work out, you're already forgiven for that. So be free. Be try. Can you, can you imagine if someone said, hey, I know you may not think you can write poetry, but we're going to sit down right now and you're going to pour out your heart into something and don't worry if it's not as good as everybody else's. Don't worry if it doesn't work out. You get to play. Ritual drama is so much about playing around. I know that during these holidays and in the email I sent out, I tried to let people know that these neders, these nidarim, these nidre of kol nidre, really are New Year's resolutions. It's not just where I've gone wrong, but it's where my future self is going to go right. It's so fascinating, as I spoke about on second day Rosh Hashanah, that you would think the rabbis would say that oathing is some very, very specific legal formula. You put your hand on the Bible and you say, hereby promise for five months I'm going to go to orange theory. Is that what it's called? For me, I'm just going to drink orange juice. But you know that you're going you're gonna to do something. It's, and they say the image is Hannah's prayer in the Rosh Hashanah Haftarah. It's just that something crosses your lips that says... This is what I'm going to do in the coming year. If you say it to God, then for sure. But if it crosses your lips and other people hear it, you've just made a resolution. And resolutions aren't forever. They're time-bound. If you didn't give a time context, then it's 30 days. But normally, it's something that can happen within the next year and does not go beyond it. So why go through this ritual performance? Don't we live in a time when everyone makes fun of ritual? that it's empty? What does it mean to put oneself in character? What does it mean to wear white? What does it mean to live this public play where the words stay the same, but you're saying them? I've often translated for, like, when I teach. For me, I think of prayers as poetry, but when you say, it's, when you say them, you're, you're making it as if you wrote that poem. That's ritual drama. You're inhabiting the character. And there's enormous power in that. And even more power when you do it publicly and collectively. And it's powerful psychologically. You're saying that your present self is the one who does these not-so-great things and doesn't want to. And you're dressing up. And in this new play, this play that you are now a part of and saying these words... Your future self is the one who doesn't even want to do these things that you've been doing. That's what ritual performance is. In the Torah, there's the ritual performance of taking a vow not to drink. And it's like an AA meeting, as if someone is beginning their future self, playing and experimenting with it. 
In other words, it's like the AA meeting where you say, it may have only been three days, but I'm the person who doesn't want to drink. I'm the person who doesn't need a drink. I'm the person who has a life without drinking. In Parshat Naso, there is a very challenging ritual performance that follows a couple experiencing adultery or suspected adultery. And as the Talmud says, either they get a divorce or they publicly go through a ritual in which the spouse says, I never cheated on you. And the other spouse says, I believe you. And they recommit to one another in love. It's like, it's the, it's like let's let go of the selves we were a week ago. And let's, in this ritual drama, let's play a part of, I'm the person who's committed to this relationship, and you are too. And there's no one I'd rather be married to. I think of the ritual performance of Bar and Bat and Brit Mitzvah, right? And everyone always says, no, come on, they're not an adult yet. And I grew up in a synagogue, and it was all silly because the rabbi said I was an adult, and I knew I wasn't. That's like saying it's silly to tell the person at their third AA meeting they're not now, you know, they're, they're a person who can have a life without drinking. It's the beginning of it. And they go through this drama and they wear the clothes of, uh, of an adult and they say the prayers of an adult as if they're of their own. And it's the first day of the new life. This is the first day of the new life of your future self. The anthropologist or social anthropologist Victor Turner, he wrote that in ritual performances, actors, people, are temporarily extricated from their social statuses. A prince in the tribe, when going through a ritual performance, is just a peasant. A peasant can become the prince's teacher and their mentor. And in Yom Kippur, we have a flattering, uh, flattering, maybe not, a flattening effect. It's actually not so flattering. It's a flattening effect. You're just a Yid, and you're just a Yid, and I'm just a Yid. And all of the kind of titles and, 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 and personas we wear and titles we wear during the year, it doesn't matter, because we're all the same. So as we step into our future selves and practice, we leave our social status behind. You're not going from head of surgery to a logical next step in your life. You're just going from being a human being to the logical next step of your life. And the research or some of the research I've been reading on people who are facing retirement or partial retirement or second retirement, for some of you third retirement, some of the research says that one of the most effective ways of doing so is to Let go of the status of your former self and see yourself as, I'm just a human being. Maybe I went from being a professor of biblical history, and today I'm just a neighbor who's learning how to grow tomatoes from the neighbor next door. Sometimes it's like starting all over. The ritual of this year gives you a chance to think about that. My future self, I'm just a person, right? What's my next step? not the logical next step of my persona, but the first day of the rest of my life. I'm fascinated, as I mentioned on Erev Rosh Hashanah, by the work on future selves, pioneered by, among others, Hazel Marcus at Stanford and Paula Nourias at the University of Washington, both coincidentally, I think, PhDs from the University of Michigan. 
They tell us that we spend our time rooted in our present selves, often thinking about ourselves, trying to understand ourselves, and explaining ourselves to others. We're trying to answer the question, who am I? Well, what should I do? I'm a kind person. I'm a creative person. And this kind of thinking is actually not as helpful as you might think in getting your life on track. Nor is future thinking of a daydreaming variety. Well, what if I stop doing some of this and do a little bit more of that? What if I go back to playing piano? This kind of thinking is fleeting and not grounded in reality. You know, religion is often framed as learning how to be in the present moment. And that's true one-third of the time. We need to do the work of being in the present moment. As one of my great teachers, the musician Robert Fripp, says, it takes a lot of technical preparation and work to be able to be in the present moment. And most people just don't want to put in the effort. The kind of work that few who call themselves musicians actually put in. The kind of work that involves suffering and time spent and leads to enormous vulnerability and openness to others' judgment in order to experience the world with the recaptured innocence of living in the present moment. So yes, we need to do the work of living in the present moment. We also need to do the work of being in the past moment. From Torah study to history study, from reflection to literature, from speaking with our ancestors to speaking with our therapist. We need to do the work of being in the past moment. And we need to do the work, which is the theme of this holiday, of being in the future moment. So the scholarship of living your future self says that the following is effective. And to me, it's the ritual that we're all involved in. They say, you actually have to envision yourself doing your New Year's resolution or resolutions in the future, 10 years in the future, right? So I'm going to ask you to think right now. If you don't have one, I'm going to give you multiple choice in a little while, okay? Think of one New Year's resolution, one resolution you have. Now imagine you are doing it in your mind's eye in 10 years, right? Is it journaling every morning for half an hour? Is it calling someone every Monday? Is it making salad for dinner? And I want you to actually see in your mind's eye your future self. I mentioned on second day Rosh Hashanah, my doctor and the McNeil-Lehrer News Hour, coincidentally, about seven years ago, challenged me in the same week to try to get to, to lose half the weight of what I weighed when I graduated college. So if I was 30 pounds away from what I weighed the year I graduated college, so they said, go halfway. I had to envision myself making that salad. I had to envision myself what I'm actually doing to do this. I had to envision myself actually shopping and what I'm putting in my cart at Costco. And the research says that if you envision it, it is more likely to happen by a significant probability. 
if you are a negative person and you are only motivated by fear, then it actually works if you do the opposite. You can actually envision yourself doing the opposite of what your New Year's resolution is. There I am in 10 years, and Marav and Ziva come home from college and they say, Dad, I want to go on one of these 10-mile bike rides that take you down the river and come back. And I see myself on the sofa having just finished a bowl of pasta. And I say, why don't you guys go? And we'll have quality time when you get back. So you can envision the opposite of what you want. And their research finds that's actually equally motivating to actually become a different person. I sent out an email not expecting that many people to reply, asking you to share some of your New Year's resolutions of what your future self wants to look like. And uh, I can't believe how many I got back. So it went on for pages. I picked out some of them, and there are no names with them, and they have been all potentially identifying content is gone. So trust me on this, no one's going to be able to know it was you. If you don't have a New Year's resolution yet, think about whether one of your fellow Yidden has one for you. I'm going to call up a friend I, hadn't sp- I haven't spoken to in a long time every Monday and see how they are. I'm going to spend more time with my mo- most neglected child, my dog. Okay, so if one of these is you, you I, I'm asking you to p- close your eyes. And I'll know it's you because I'll see you close your eyes, okay? <laughs> so, Owen, if I see you close your eyes, I know your dog needs a little bit more attention. Um, but I see yourself, what are you actually doing with the dog, right? I'm going to get better at answering emails in a timely fashion. So see yourself, that email comes in, you're kind of about to go, I don't know, make a cup of coffee or tell someone something, and you're like, eh, you know what? I'll just send one line back. It doesn't have to be Robert Frost. <laughs> I hope to be more open to joy in the present. I'm going to focus on reconnecting to my community. What does that actually look like in your mind's eye? I'm going to see people and meet them where they are. And I'm going to, let, and I'm going to see them through their goals for themselves instead of my goals for them. I'm going to be more intentional in spending time with and building a deeper, loving, and playful bond with my child. I'm going to follow the advice of Booker T. Washington and improve my life by improving the lives of others. What will that look like? Right? It's not enough like that. That's just fleeting. You have to picture yourself doing it. What are you doing? How did you get there? I'm going to remember to treat others as well as I can. And for the faults that I'm too blind to see in myself, I hope God will forgive me and grant me another year. I'm going to cultivate greater understanding and to show more respect for views and groups to which I've always been opposed. What would that look like? And if it's at Thanksgiving, can I not be there? Because that sounds... I always think at Thanksgiving it's the time never to bring up difficult topics. 
I'm going to be a more patient caregiver. I'm going to spread more loving kindness more consistently in the future. I'm going to reduce the amount of comments I make to my children by 50%. (laughs) So you have to picture yourself. I'm going to devote at least... I should just. I'm going to devote at least half an hour of meaningful conversation every day with my spouse. How's that going to happen? You're going to be at the dinner table? You're going to be somewhere else? You're going to be taking a walk? I'm going to volunteer once a week in every place that needs help a school, library, JFS, wherever it is. I'm going to acknowledge my fears and vulnerabilities and my weaknesses to recognize the parts of me that are difficult to embrace, but which complete the package of who I am. I'm going to practice more civic engagement because at this particular time in the area of political action, it's necessary. And I'm gonna have more compassion and less snippy behavior toward people's behaviors that irritate me. Just because it pushes my buttons doesn't mean that it matters. I'm going to let go of outcomes and trust that clear communication of expectations is sufficient. I know that. I am going to keep the vow I made in the pandemic, that should the day come, I will be grateful for the time spent each day in the bringing my kids to and from school and their extracurricular activities. For those who do that or remember it, it can be stressful and a time of impatience. And yet it is the via hafta. We show our love in what is shared in the going and the coming along the way. You know, I am always focused on goals which are too big. And I ignore the small but critical things which make up the business of life. To use a baseball analogy, I'm going to stop trying to hit a home run and trying to hit a single. I'm going to spend less time building up my own ego and soliciting praise and more time building up other people. I'm going to talk less, affirm more, and ask more questions. I'm resolved not to let my stress affect my family. How do you see yourself doing that? I am also resolved to do everything I can from my place in the diaspora to help keep Israel a functional democracy. I am going to take a moment for a deep breath before I let my reaction show. I know this will require increased patience and sensitivity to others and to their perspectives. I'll let you know, Rabbi, how it goes. (laughs) My resolution is to do what I know I need to do to improve my health and be the sun and not the salt. My resolution is to be more patient with my children, with my clients, with my friends, and especially my spouse, although that one's pushing it a little bit. 
I'm going to be grateful for the opportunities my family has that keep us busy rather than complaining about the chaos in our lives. I should be truly thankful for that chaos. And I'll be more patient with it. I'm going to make a conscious effort to judge less, trying to unravel my own judgments and reconsider them and express appreciation and gratitude to people, especially strangers, when they don't expect it. I'm vowed to build a community that extends beyond Ann Arbor. I want to think about it and talk with people about what it might look like. I'm going to treat my family like the people they are now and not the people I remember. I resolve to stop, as my kids describe it, my catastrophizing although it feels almost impossible. My resolution for this year is to write down the stories I have lived so that they can be passed on and shared with both the joys and sorrows of life's lessons. My resolution is to continue my sobriety in the coming year. My resolution is to do better not making so many impulse purchases. My resolution is to spend more one-on-one time with my grandchildren rather than with them all together. I could add that to children. I'm going to expand the time I spend each morning studying the Parsha. I'm going to lean into developing my voice and my confidence. I'm going to be more centered in myself and with God, a God that I am a part of, a God that gives me life and strengthens me so I can be more present with others, more aware of the beauty and peace that is around us. And I will not forget the part we play in adding to the beauty and being comfortable in that stillness. I'm going to keep playing pickleball. I'm going to improve the playing on my instrument. I'm going to attend the Shabbat service and read Torah when possible. If any of those knocked your socks off, and that's my future self, a couple of things you got to do according to the future self-research because this is a ritual drama of future selves. Number one, exactly what we already said in the Talmud. you got to tell somebody. It becomes a resolution only when it's spoken out loud, not when it's said in your heart, right? Hannah actually had to mumble through her lips, and then it, and then it was gold. You have to tell one other person, or you can say it in prayer to God if you say it out loud. Number two, you have to take one step not too extreme toward your positive future self. So not, I'm going to get the health club, and I'm going to meet Deborah every morning. Too much. Too much for me. Right? Take one step. One step toward your future self. Number three, find an expert companion in the area that your future self is going to play in. Could be someone who's already good at it. Someone could be a therapist. Number four, share your goal weekly with at least one person. Those who share their progress, and it could just be, I took one walk. It could be, I got the bicycle fixed, but I didn't get on it. It could be, I made one salad, but I had to throw it out because I waited so long that it was already pretty wilted. You got to share what it doesn't matter, even if it's backward progress. You got to share progress with at least one person once a week. 
Those who do this completed their goals at a rate of 70% versus a rate of 35% for those in their studies who did not. It could be your productivity, your writing, your improving your work-life balance. And finally, reach out to one weak tie in your social circle. Someone that's not been one of your tightest friends, but someone you used to spend more time with or you see occasionally, right? Someone who was in your sorority or something like that, or used to, you, I don't know, used to drop off your kids at the JCC 30 years ago for childcare. Reach out to what they call a weak tie in your social circle. You don't have to give up your friends or anything like that, but just one small change, one renewed friendship where you can freely be on your way to your future self. May your future self be sealed in the book of life for a good and successful year.